somebody, let them wonder what you've been up to this week. Amen. The goodness of God. I kind of debate giving a title to a message. I, I called it the Heroes of Faith. And then I thought, you know, what I really ought to call this message is in Jesus, I'm able. So say that out loud with me. In Jesus, I'm able. In Jesus, I'm able. Praise God. Well, hold your Bibles up. We need to do this. Say it out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And I live by His Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> I want you to look in Hebrews 11. It's where we're going to start. <clears throat> You'll figure out what my title is here in a minute. But in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, <coughs> and we're going from the New Living Translation. <coughs> Excuse me. Used to be called the Good News Bible. It's all good news. And I love, it, this is just awesome, y'all. Now, I, I own about it. If you like me, you memorize the King James. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just says it's the same thing, same thing, but a little different. So let's read it out loud together. Start in verse 1. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for, read with me, is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. God gave his approval to people in days of old because of their faith. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. 
It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man. And although Abel is long dead, because of his faith. Amen. Amen. Now, we've talked a little bit before about God's hall of faith. But I want to talk a little bit about Abel this morning. He's the first one that's listed, so it's a good place to start. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, I know you've heard us. We've prayed already. <coughs> Lord, I just bind the enemy. He can't steal the word from our hearts. He cannot hinder us from hearing. And Father, I just ask that in the name of Jesus, that you use this, Lord. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips. And Father, I pray for the Spirit of the living God to stir us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know about you, sometimes I think of things, what would it have been like to have been alive at that point in human history? I guess that's kind of a rhetorical question because none of us were and we're not going to. But it's just, you know, what would that have been like? Sometimes I think that would have been awesome. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit related to the life of Abel that's found in Scripture. And I want to just kind of lay a foundation. So just kind of stay with me here for a minute. And I want you to kind of pick up on this. We, we read in Genesis, the fourth chapter. In verses 1 through 10, you can follow along with me. You don't have to read out loud this time. Just simply says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Hmm, boy, that preach. But you must subdue it. The it is sin. You must subdue sin and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
Now, it doesn't seem like it. You know, and then the narrative just simply goes on. There's no more mentioned about Abel. There's some more about Cain. And you can't talk about Abel without actually looking at some things about Cain. And there's lessons that we actually can learn. And if there are a few other places in Scripture where Abel is mentioned or Cain, I'm not going to give you all of them, but in 1 John 3.12, the Bible says we must not be like Cain. Smile at somebody and say, don't be like Cain. <laughs> Who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. Hmm. You just thought he was planting the garden. He had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Now in Matthew 23 and verse 35 is another place that it's, it's found. And Jesus is actually in context speaking to the Pharisees. But in just verse 35 as a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time. From the murder of righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. You know, the more I studied about Cain and Abel, I realized there was really quite a bit God was showing us. Just think about this for a minute. Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. While Cain was a tiller of the ground, a farmer. Now, there's nothing wrong with farming. But I think you're going to see something about attitudes and where someone's heart is here in just a minute. Abel had the heart of a shepherd. But Cain strove to succeed by the works of his own hand. As a shepherd, we can conclude that Abel had a gentle, nurturing spirit. He would have needed to be strong to protect the sheep, but he was not self-willed. Cain was angry, arrogant, and disrespectful. I'm going to say some more about that in a minute. You know, now I'm going to say that in a minute. In Hebrews 11, 4 is one more place where it talks about Abel. We looked at that and it said, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable, the King James says, excellent. Well, I could camp there for a minute. You know, things we do ought to be acceptable and they should be as excellent as we can possibly make them. I learned a real good lesson. There's a cowboy church in Texas. And I, I am, how do, how do you describe that? The way their sanctuary is made out, if it was this building, there would be a garage door type door over here. I mean, big one. And then another one over here. You would be sitting on dirt in chairs but it was sand, well-groomed and well-raked sand because it was basically like a rodeo arena. It's cowboy church, remember? Every Sunday, somebody's bringing horses. They're doing things with horses. They're doing things with, with, with livestock. But 
they've got it that way because there are different times when they'll have animals come through and come in one door, go out the other door. But I guarantee you, you never saw a cleaner building. You never saw a more well-kept building. You didn't get dirty walking through there. You didn't sit down on dirty, dusty chairs. Everything was clean and everything was done in order. Uh, it's like the pastor said, you know, you can do stuff cowboy, but it can be done with excellence. Well, you can still, you can do stuff hillbilly and it be done with excellence. You can do things country church and it be done with excellence. Am I perfect? No. But kind of like Paul said, you know, I've not yet attained, but I'm pressing toward. Amen. So in Hebrews, he said he brought a more excellent sacrifice. Now, you got to understand something. Why was this sacrifice Abel brought acceptable, excellent unto God? And yet Cain's was not. Cain brought the first, I mean, I don't know, did he bring wheat, did he bring barley, did he bring squash, did he bring fresh tomatoes, you know, I, I don't know what he brought, but he brought the produce of the ground unto God, and what you got to understand is that what we're seeing with Cain literally is the beginning of religion, it's I'm not going to do it God's way, I'm going to do it my way. You know, one song I do not like, it's kind of like one preacher said, it's embalmed with unbelief, is, you know, me and God got our own thing going. No, you don't. You get into God's thing or you don't have a thing going. And but Abel and Cain both knew they were supposed to bring a blood sacrifice. God is the one who killed the first animals clothed with the skins, Adam and Eve, but I, there was more to it than just giving them, you know, the, the, the newest fashion out of lamb skin or something. God was showing them that, you know, all through the Bible there is a theme. Salvation doesn't come anyway except through the blood. Because every bit of it, everything that we see from the very beginning all the way through to the end of the Bible, is, especially in the Old Testament, is a pre-type, a precursor of the Lamb of God that was Jesus Christ that would take away the sin of the world. You can't have that without the shedding of blood. And we may not understand everything about it, but we need to understand that that's the way that works. And you say, well, how, how would Cain and Abel know that? Because God told them. Did you notice that God was talking to them? Y'all, God never stopped talking to mankind. Mankind, because of sin, simply got to the place we didn't want to listen to God until many decades later when Moses and the children of Israel, you know, and, and Moses was talking directly with God and the children of Israel said, you go talk to God. We ain't going to. We're scared of him. God brought them into that wilderness and God wanted to fellowship with the entire nation of Israel. They're the ones that said, we don't want to. Because their hearts were hard. But Cain and Abel both knew that they were to bring a blood sacrifice. Cain knew he was supposed to do that. So did Abel. Well, how was Cain going to get that? Well, he could have traded some tomatoes to his brother. Yes. <laughs> you know? 
There was a way that God would have had arranged for him to do that. But it all points to the blood of Jesus. You know, I got to thinking about that. The Bible says again in Hebrews 12, 24, you don't have to turn there. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. He's the go-between. And where Abel's blood cried out for vengeance, Jesus' blood cries out redemption. Somebody say amen. So, I mean, God was talking with Cain and Abel. And the thing that amazed me, when I really got the end of this story and I began to really read through it again, I guess it's one thing to say, wow, you know, God was literally talking to, to all of them. He, and He would have kept talking to them. Matter of fact, I think God's always been trying to talk to somebody, but we didn't want to listen. But the thing that amazed me was the way Cain talked to God. I said just a little while ago, Cain was angry, arrogant, disrespectful. Did you notice the way that God talked? I mean, excuse me, Cain talked to God? And, you know, trying to think if it was right here. Yeah, at the very end of that passage in, in around verse 9 and 10 in Genesis, you know, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? And Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? My brother's guardian? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's real intelligent to go get all arrogant and snooty with God. <laughs> and, and this is where you see Cain. This is where you see his real heart. You know, there's, there's no remorse in him. There's no, oh, look what I've done. Oh, no. I mean, Cain didn't disbelieve in God. Cain was the first atheist. He knew good and well there was a God. You know, there's an old joke goes around. You know, you heard about the dexlexic, dexlexic atheist that didn't believe in dogs. I just thought I'd let that sink in for a second. How could you not believe in dogs? They're everywhere. You know, how could you not believe in God? He's everywhere. His handiwork is everywhere. They know there's a God. They've just chosen to try to act like they don't believe that. Cain knew there was a God. Matter of fact, you know, the Bible says the devil and the demons believe in God. They just don't serve Him. Cain knew there was a God. He just didn't want to do what was right. Well, I'm, I'm meddling now instead of, okay. In Matthew 23, where we read, Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees for their religious attitude. Because the, the Pharisees had this mindset, they knew there was a God. And they had their own little sets of rules, but like Jesus would say later, you know, you... you you get down to these little fine points of how far you can walk and how much you're supposed to give in the temple and how you're supposed to do this and how you're not supposed to do that. 
But yet when it really comes down to the points of the heart, that's where you're lacking. That's where you don't have anything. They were arrogant. They were unrepentant. Kind of sounds a lot like Cain, doesn't it? So Cain's part in all this reveals to us several things. But one thing you can say, you know, sin begins small. Just want to do things my way instead of God's way. And it's always easy to convince ourselves that something I want to do is really okay. Even though God's word says that it's not. And that'll develop into self-will and pride. And that'll develop into anger and hatred. And that'll produce death and destruction. And church, we're seeing that in the world that we're in right now. Society is deteriorating. Things that were once taboo, that were once an abomination, that were once hidden, are now in the mainstream news and entertainment. But sin is never static or unchanging. It's like a fire. That no matter how much is there to burn, it wants to consume more and more. Sin will seek to do what God told Cain it would. Sin seeks to master over Egypt's. That's one lesson. Well, here's another one. Whenever we live by faith, Whenever your lifestyle is righteous, and let me, let me kind of throw something out to you. It's not in my notes, but you, somebody needs it. <clears throat> you know, the Bible does not say that Abel was a preacher of righteousness. It says that about a lot of Old Testament. Even Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. There were different ones in the Bible, and they literally, you know, it doesn't record their, you know, did they stand in front of a pulpit? Not necessarily, but they preached righteousness. I mean, the guy last night, I mean, in the midst of all the rap, whatever stuff going on, he was preaching. And I was listening to the words that he said instead of the music. If you, yeah, call it music. But anyway, it was good. And I'm being silly, y'all. But the point is, you know, the Bible doesn't say Abel had all these great achievements. It doesn't say that he did this or that. But he did one thing. He lived righteously in front of a brother that was not living righteously. And there's sometimes the only way you're going to be able to preach to family especially, and sometimes friends or co-workers, is to live it in front of them. And if God ever gives you the opportunity, yeah. I mean, let them have it with both barrels. But, you know, but I mean, sometimes it's just going to be you live righteous before them. But here's the lesson that I got out of that. Whenever you live righteously, whenever your lifestyle is is actually convicting the ones that are not living righteously, they're going to hate you. Sorry about that, y'all, but that's just that's that's biblical. You know, the devil hates us. The devil hates righteousness. We're made in the image of God and Satan cannot directly attack God. So guess what he goes after? He goes after that that is made in the image of God. That's you and me. That's people in this world. Amen? 
And so, you know, Satan's going to come after you. And, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody that's living a good life, that's living for God, that loves the Lord Jesus is going to get killed. But it does mean that you're going to be hated. So now you're thinking, again, pastor, where's the happy ending here? <laughs> well, the end result is we're going to be in the presence of God. The worst the devil can do to us is kill us. And you can't lose for winning. You say that all the time, Pastor. That's right. Because the world will tell you you can't win for losing. But you can't lose for winning if you know Jesus. Amen. Because y'all, the more I got to study about it, I really believe the Holy Spirit dropped that into my heart. You know, y'all, don't, don't think, of, oh, there's poor Abel laying out in the field dead. His body laid out there for a while. Or they buried him or whatever in the world happened. The Bible doesn't really reveal that to us. But I'm going to tell you right now. Abel is alive and well in the presence of Almighty God. He's been enjoying the presence of God for centuries now. And he's been walking with the Lord that he followed. And he's been just excited about all of the things that are going on. And I don't really think there's much of a passage of time where he is. And he knows that there's coming another day when all this is going to be over with and we're all going to be there. So don't, don't, don't fret over Abel. Amen? So take this home with you. We need to have a heart like Abel. One that's humble, that's willing to do the will of God with an humble spirit. Now, I'm going to go back First 1 John 3.12. We read that just a minute ago. The context of, of 1 John chapter 3 is walking in the love of God. That's a whole nother sermon. One of these days you're going to get that. And I'll probably make a series out of it because there's way too much to get into for just one sermon. But God literally tells us when we get our, when you get your heart changed, you have the capacity to walk in God's love. Because the Bible tells us the love of God. Is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Somebody say Amen. amen. So, you know, that, that's the context of First uh, John three twelve. But you know, let, let me let me go back and just because I want to. Don't be like Cain, who was evil and killed his brother. Cain was doing evil. His brother was doing what was right we need to have a heart like Abel had that put others ahead of himself let me give you just a real brief example I haven't well I won't even go into that but I don't I don't snow ski anymore and I would be all upset over that and dejected, but I prayed about it. And this is Wilsonology, but I believe in the millennial. I'm going to do all the snow skiing I want to. So anyway, that's a, But the point is, when we snow ski, now, I, I wasn't perfect. You know, I, I wasn't the best skier in the world, but I got good enough. I could go down some of the 
some of the hard slopes and stuff like that. But I really had the basics down. And I remember since we had our daughters and, and sometimes they'd want to take a friend. Uh, you know, we'd have different teenagers go with us. And I bet I taught, what, 10 or 12 teenagers how to snow ski, I think. And, of course, that was always fun. I used to get real tickled at that because if you go to the, the ski school where you pay them a huge amount of money, uh, they tell you, you know, by, by the end of a week, they will take you all the way to the top of a mountain and go down one of the green, which is easy, green, blue, and then black. And they'll take you down one of those green runs, but from the very top of the hill, by the end of a week, I had those kids coming down blacks with me. And, and the thing that I would do, you know, because while they were learning, uh, I was the best skier except for my youngest daughter that I never could keep up with. But, uh, you know, we'd be going down the hill and all that. And what I'd do is I would hang back and I'd let them keep going because invariably some point going down, somebody was going to fall. And if they fell, sometimes they'd leave a, <laughs> they'd drop their pole and leave it up here and then 20 feet down, you know, their ski would come off and here they were way down there. Well, if, if I was either in front of them or with them, somebody was going to have to walk all the way up the hill. But if I held back, I could just stop when I got to where they dropped whatever they dropped and I could, I could get it. In other words, I was putting them in front of me. I could have easily just flown down because they were just learning. And I could have said, well, I don't care about you. I'm just going to keep right on going down the hill. And yeah, it would have been fun. But you know what? I had a whole lot of fun teaching them. And it didn't bother me a bit to stop and, you know, help them when they lost a ski or something like that. And Am I getting the point across? You need to think about others. And I think when we put others in front of us, we're showing that same kind of attitude like Abel had. The Bible says in Philippians 2, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves. That doesn't mean put yourself down, it just means think of others. And don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, somebody say he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him. Oh, I love that. God elevated him. God lifted him. God exalted him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I, mm. That's awesome, y'all. So, there's one more, one more that I want to bring up. There's also with Cain and Abel a prophetic connection. 
You know, we started off this morning praying because there are so many things that we're seeing take place in the world that we're living in. And it's not just some, well, that's far off in New York City or that's over in... uh, I just went blank. Ukraine or it's, it's, it's over in, you know, China where this is going on or that's going on. Wars, rumors of wars, people being killed. But no, right here in America, we've got all of the confusion of gender, confusion of pronouns, confusion of what somebody thinks they are or identifies as. Uh, the author of confusion is Satan, y'all. We're, we're watching a society implode upon itself. And you say, now you're getting all political. No, this is Bible, y'all. And we're literally seeing things transpire with, with all of the alphabet whatever that people love to quote that really all in the world it is is trying to euphemize and say it in a way that's socially acceptable. It's perversion and it's demonic. Anytime you're, and you notice they're going more after the children now. When you want to have some man dress up as a woman in a provocative way and not, not just in a granny dress, and have story time with kids, you've got to ask yourself not why the kids want to listen because they didn't have any choice. Why in the world does that person want to have time with children? We're watching society implode on itself. We're we're, we're looking at at something that's upside down. Uh, Jesus said, and I, I'm, I'm talking about a prophetic connection. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that just as it was in the days right before the flood, it's going to be that way again before Jesus comes again. The same things are going to be happening. And if you want to know what the world was like right before the flood, you got three chapters you could read in less than probably 30 minutes when you go home today. Genesis 4, 5, and 6. But that's a whole other sermon all by itself. But the whole point is this. These same things are going to be going on. And when you read the story of Cain and Abel, we're getting one major incident out of a society that was transpiring at that time. In just a little bit, the Bible tells us that in these days, there was, a, there, there was religious apostasy. We could call it Cainism. There was widespread travel. Cain was banished and he traveled a far distance. There was city building. It'd take me a while to go through that. But y'all, God never designed people to live in huge cities crammed all together. You, you, you just kind of, somebody can debate me if they want to. They have the right to be wrong. But you, you caught that, did you? But God never developed cities. Man 
invented cities. There was polygamy, or you could even just say multiple partners. There were advances in agriculture. And today, what do we have? We've got laboratory food, GMO, hybrid, and now they're going to begin to put mRNA in our food so they can tell you, oh, we don't have any antibiotics in it, but we've got mRNA in it. That's a whole other story. There were advances in music. There was metallurgy that was taking place. And if you wonder, well, where in the world are you going with that? Think weapon building. And there was disrespect for authority. You realize in the news right now, the latest thing are these teen, T-E-E-N, teen mobs. And I mean, there have been people attacked. There have been stores looted. Y'all, that's not a bunch of teenagers just acting out. This is organized, and not only organized, it's demonic. There's a spirit behind it. And there's something else that's in that, and it's in the major part of, of Cain killing Abel. There is, there is this spirit that does senseless killings. And I know I've said this before, but whenever there's these mass shootings and whenever there's these people killed and in whatever way that they're killed, and there's always in the news media, there's always some news talking head that comes up with this brilliant question, why is this taking place? Oh, it must be the fault of the gun. Well, let me tell you, Cain had a rock. I think we ought to ban rocks. Okay, I know, I just got political. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. But the point is this, y'all. There's a demonic spirit behind it. And that same spirit's loose on planet Earth right now. There's an increasingly violent, wicked religious spirit, the spirit of Cain, spreading across America and across this world. It's a spirit that at one time cried tolerance, but now reveals its true self as a murderous spirit that only wants to crush anything that doesn't bow to its mantra or ideology. It appears as a religion that seems to be beautiful, but beneath the facade, it's ugly, vicious, perverted, and twisted. It changes the covenant things of God like the rainbow to a different purpose, seeks to destroy those who are innocent, it's a religion that wants God to conform to it or to them instead of conforming to God. And y'all, that spirit's loose, but let me help you with something before you get all despondent. The Spirit of God is still on planet Earth. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is still flowing on planet Earth. That's why we still have light. And I'm talking about spiritual light. That's why we still have some freedoms. And that's why there are still people like last night getting saved, even in the middle of a public square, because God's Spirit is still dealing with people on this planet. Somebody say amen with me. Greater is He than, that's in me and that's in you than he that's in this world. There was a conflict between Cain and Abel, between good and evil, and we're watching that same conflict transpiring, taking place right now. And Jesus said, when you see the same conditions, lift up your head. 
redemption draweth nigh. Oh, we're ready. So let me kind of recap. Have a heart after God. Have a will surrender to God's will. Offer to God an excellent sacrifice. Maybe that'd be a good time to bring up Romans 12 where it says that we're to offer our own body a living sacrifice. Holy. Say it with me. Acceptable. Say it out loud. Acceptable. What's another lesson? Rejoice when we fall into divers temptations, tests and trials. Because we're going to wind up in God's presence. Another lesson, we can walk in love one toward another. And I like this one. Live like Jesus was coming today. Won't you stand with me? I want to do this this morning. I've just felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit. God is calling us to be Abel's. Because you see, in Christ, we, we, we are able. We're able to walk in love. In Christ, we're able to overcome sin. In Christ, we're able to live righteously. In Christ, we're able to defeat the enemy. In Christ, we're able to walk with God. And God's calling us to be able. And I want to ask everyone that's here this morning... I want you just to join me in this altar and we're going to just reconsecrate ourselves unto God. We're going to rededicate ourselves unto God. Because I believe God's got to work. Y'all, Satan has fought this small church in this small community. There's a reason for that. We shared quite a while ago, and we've shared it more than once. There were at least two dreams given to people in years gone by as this church was formed and as this church was dedicated before it was just the doors locked and closed for almost a year. But those dreams were of this building being completely full, of people being saved and people's lives being transformed. And I believe that God wants that to take place. And Satan's fighting that. In every way, in every... I mean, he's fighting. But in Christ, we're able. In Christ, we're able. So I want to encourage you this morning. I want to just have everybody, if you will, that's here. Join me up front. We're just going to come before God. I believe that God's going to do something. In just a moment, if, if you need healing, we're going to lay hands on you and anoint you with all. But right now, we're, we're just going to yield ourselves to the Lord. Will you pray this out loud with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I am a to overcome sin. To overcome sin. I am able. I am able to cast out devils. Cast out devils. I am able. I am able to lay hands on the sick. To lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. And they will recover. I am able. I am able 
to live before you and to be your witness. And right now, I surrender my will. Fill me with your presence, with your Holy Spirit. Make me Lord able. Make me Lord able. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, won't you just kind of step forward? If you need healing this morning, I don't think I need this right now. Anybody need